I'm now joined by Jeff Benjamin, Wealth Management Editor at ETF.com, who is, of course, one of the leading sources of real-time ETF news and analysis. And Jeff himself has been covering the financial markets and uh, broader financial services industry for over 30 years now. Uh, He was previously a senior columnist at Investment News. Prior to that, he was an analyst at Cerulli Associates and also a money management reporter at Dow Jones Newswires. And he's now on the line with me from Jacksonville, North Carolina. Jeff, it is a pleasure. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Nate. How you doing? Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, you and I met through your coverage of the ETF space when you were over at Investment News. That was a few years back. And then, as I just mm-hmm. noted uh, earlier this year, you moved over to ETF.com, and obviously we've stayed connected. And I just thought, given the ETF Prime audience, where we do have a lot of financial advisors and uh, ETF professionals who listen to this, I thought it'd be interesting for them to hear firsthand the perspective of someone covering the ETF space. I, I thought you could provide a nice uh, inside look at the types of stories that intrigue you and how you go about writing your pieces. And, and let's be honest, Jeff. Everyone loves a little media coverage as well, right? So maybe you can yep. offer a few tips to listeners regarding that. But I, I guess first, for people unfamiliar with your, your your writing and your background, just just give us a quick snapshot in terms of how you first got involved in the media and talk about your path to ETF.com. Sure. Uh, well, <clears throat> a long, long time ago, I graduated from college with a degree in journalism and um, started out as a sports reporter in Southern Maryland, worked my way up uh Ended up at Dow Jones in Harborside, New Jersey, uh, covering money management in all its various forms. Uh, ended up at Cerulli as an analyst and then Dow, um, investment news for a couple of decades. And uh, in August of this year, moved over to ETF.com because of what's, uh, what's going on in the ETF space and what ETF.com has, has planned for as far as coverage of ETFs and the wealth management industry. What type of uh, sports did you cover early on, just out of curiosity? Uh, well, I was a, a cub reporter in, it, in, all, uh, in all of its uh, definitions, and uh, I was assigned to college lacrosse uh, in southern Maryland. It's the first uh, lacrosse game I ever saw in my life was uh, I was covering it. It was, uh, it was Duke and the University of Maryland. Fun fact for ETF Prime listeners, I actually played lacrosse when I was younger and played it in Maryland. So maybe that's a a story for another time. (laughs) What about, um, you know, I mentioned that we connected when you were over at Investment News. I'd love to hear when and and how did you specifically get on the ETF beat? Because I do feel, and I know you've covered a a broad range of topics, but obviously you did focus on ETFs. How did that come to fruition? Yeah, well, I mean, I was pretty much the investment management reporter there at Investment News for the longest time. And I was there for a long time, so I covered pretty much everything that you can cover in the in the wealth management space. But investments was always my area, so ETFs just became part of that. It was never exclusively my beat. I covered all things investments, but, you know, it just kind of folded in as ETFs gained momentum. It was what I was doing. And, you know, here in a little bit, I do want to ask you about some specific ETF stories that have your attention. But I, I, I'd love to hear as someone who has covered the broader financial services space for 30 plus years, and obviously ETFs is part of that. What, what do you think makes for a good story, just at a higher level? Like, what do you look for mm-hmm. in a story that you think makes it worth covering? 
Well, news is always important. And, you know, there, there's all kinds of stories out there, features and analysis and stuff like that. But news always gets our attention. Exclusive news, meaning we have it first, is is even better. That's going to get top billing. Um, at ETF.com, we're looking to news related to the ETF space and the broader, uh, I guess, financial advice industry. Okay. And so as you're covering these stories, you're interviewing people, right? You're looking for uh, good knowledge experts, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming there are situations where you, you need these resources to help educate you, right, in order to, to write your stories accurately. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Like, how do you typically go about finding good sources, and what makes for a good source? Uh-huh. That's a great question. Um, well, I find sources by networking, reading, paying attention to what my competitors are doing, uh, finding people like yourself, Nate, to... Uh, to kind of sidle up to and and make, build a relationship with uh, it, it. It I think financial advisors at large don't really appreciate how much they are sought after by the media because of their expertise and their their varied perspectives on all things kind of financial and economic and and I guess financial planning related, investment related. Um. I mean, to me, a good source is somebody who is reliable, available, credible, accessible. Uh, I mean, accessible is is incredibly important. I, you know, Nate, I reach out to you semi regularly. I'll send you an email. You'll respond, hopefully, in a short order. That's always key. Getting stuff to us early because we're usually working on some kind of deadline. You mentioned financial advisors being sought after. And, you know, I think a lot of advisors, they wait for uh, media to reach out to them. And I guess my Mm -hmm. question for you is, should advisors reach out to someone like you if they think they're a good resource? Or is that frowned upon? Like if someone sees you writing frequently about, uh, I I don't know, bond ETFs, and they Uh view themselves as a a bond ETF expert, should they reach out to you or should they just hope that you find them? No, absolutely reach out, be proactive, uh, pitch your stories, uh, write, send, send an email. Uh, in my case, my cell phone number is in my email signature. I'm always available. But uh, I, I'm actually doing a presentation in Chicago next week about how financial advisors can work with the media. And it, it just blows my mind how much opportunity is out there that I don't think a lot of advan- uh, financial advisors realize or take advantage of. Uh, it's, it's not difficult to build relationships with reporters, and reporters are looking for what's inside your head if you're a financial advisor. And, and keep in mind, you know, reporters are pack animals. If you're, if you're quoted somewhere or you're on some podcast or a television interview, other reporters are going to find you and seek you out. It's, it's just going to feed on itself. It, you know, it does take a little extra time to build those relationships, but if you want to use that tool as a, as a way to elevate your own status as an expert and, you know, you're going to get prospects through that, I just don't – I see it as, a, as kind of a no-brainer marketing strategy for financial advisors. You offered some good tips earlier on how people should interact with with you and the broader media. I'm curious, what shouldn't people do when interacting with you? Do you have any particular pet peeves when the, when dealing with um, uh, people? Well, you shouldn't ask to have your 
to have your quotes checked once the story is in the process or being worked. You shouldn't ask to have to see the the story before it's published. Um, and elaborate just, on that. No, that's a that's a good one. I'd love to have you elaborate well, on that because I don't think some people maybe well, fully it, appreciate it, that. To me, it happens more often when somebody is being represented by a public relations person, but the uh, person, the PR person might say, okay, he just finished interviewing. We need to see the quotes before they go. And to me, if if you're not comfortable standing behind the words coming out of your own mouth on a particular topic, then maybe you shouldn't be working with the media. And, And some people, that's the case. Sometimes it's a compliance issue. But if you're asking to for the reporter to come back to you after an interview and read you their quotes or, or share with you the story before it goes into publication, that just slows down the process. And that's never a good thing. I mean, if you're somebody that is, you know, a Warren Buffett or somebody, I don't know if Warren Buffett does that, but you know, that's a, that's a pretty exclusive interview. A reporter might you know kind of bend over a little bit for you, but if, if, you know, you're trying to get yourself, in the media, you're trying to build relationships with reporters. Don't put up these hurdles that is just going to make it more difficult. And it really doesn't doesn't do anything except kind of, you know, slow the whole process down. Yeah, and I would maybe even go a little bit of a step further and say I, I think it's a tad bit insulting in that, um, you know, I know the skill set of a lot of the people working in media. And at the end of the day, you have very smart individuals. You have to trust their judgment. And, you know, Mm -hmm. their creativity and the way they view the world in writing the story. And sometimes you're going to interact with the media and maybe they'll take, again, the words that are coming out of your mouth. And maybe the narrative around those isn't exactly what you want it to be. But so goes it. It's somebody else's perspective. Everybody Mm -hmm. has different viewpoints on what's going on. I think that's just part of the game if you're going to interact with the media. You know, everything's not always going to be teed up perfectly to make you look in the best light. It's not because a reporter is trying to paint somebody in a bad light. They're using their creative (laughs) juices and and the way they view the world to craft a story. Um, what, what, what else in terms of things that people either should or shouldn't do when interacting with someone like you? Uh, well, like I said, it's important to be responsive and, and quick. If, like I use a lot of the media query resources out there. XY Planning has a good one. The Financial Planning Association has a good one where you can a reporter can send out a query in the morning or whenever, and, you know, you get – feedback from people that are on those platforms you'll get responses to your to your questions and my advice is always to if you have something to say on the topic don't wait a couple hours or the end of the day which happens sometimes send it out right away sometimes you get a lot of responses to those queries and the first ones are going to get the most attention so you know be responsive also make yourself available i mean i don't understand why some of these websites don't have ways for media to reach you if that's your goal put a phone number on there have an email that doesn't just look like a blind email that i'm sending into you know from process from a prospect or something like that um like i said it's it's not difficult and you'll be surprised how many reporters are looking for financial advisors because of their expertise no, that's great guidance. What about social media activity? Like, you know, I, I think it's well known. I like to have fun out on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've done it more just I, I get a kick out of it. But if I'm being honest, I do think it's helped with my visibility 
and has helped me get in front of some media sources. Is that a resource that you use? Are you out on social yeah. media? Do you do you pay attention to that? It, I, I am I am most active on Twitter or X or whatever they call it now. I also am on LinkedIn. Um, those are my two primaries. Um, and I've heard people say X now. It's it's really a, a where reporters go to look for stories and sources. So get yourself positioned there. I would recommend it. Um, also, reporters are going to appreciate if you know you uh, retweeting or whatever they call it, reposting their stories. Um, acknowledging the fact that you were quoted in a story, that's all, that all feeds the kind of the beast of building, uh, I guess, building appeal of a particular story of a reporter, uh, building that relationship. I mean, I, I've had people reach out to me directly on social media and that's the way they found me and that's the way we've built relationships. No, I couldn't agree more. I, I find it invaluable, uh, personally. Um, okay, Jeff, with our remaining time, um, I would love to hear the ETF stories on your radar right now. And you you don't have to give us everything that you're working on. I don't know if you have any pieces in progress. But as you look at it, you know, these these next couple of months of the year and even into 2024, what are maybe two Mm -hmm. or three ETF stories that have your attention right now? And, And by the way, once you offer these up, given the advice that you just previously gave, you might get a flood of emails and phone calls, people uh, offering up to be uh, resources on these stories. But but give us a couple of stories you're watching. Yeah, I, I hope I do get a flood of uh, uh, emails or whatever, phone calls. Um, please, I'm, I'm not kidding. Reach out to me. I'm, my, I'm not one of these people who turns their phone off at, at the end of the day. I'm always available. Email, call me, whatever. Um Here's some of the things that we're looking at here at ETF.com. Um, mutual fund conversions. This is obviously, you know what that is, converting a mutual fund to an ETF, Nate. This is, I, I think the floodgates are going to open on this. I know some people over at Bloomberg Intelligence feel the same way about this. One example I heard recently was uh, if Fidelity converted their indexed mutual funds to ETFs, they would be one of the top three or four ETF providers in the space right now. That shows you the kind of potential that's out there. Another example is ETF share classes. I don't know if any have been have been created yet, but I know there's some applications out there, and I think Fidelity is one of the ones that has an application uh, creating a share class for an ETF for a mutual fund of an ETF. Um, I think it's pretty interesting that legacy mutual fund companies, they're, they're no longer denying the ETF space. Some of these fund companies like um, T. Rowe is a good example. They, they haven't been in the ETF space that long, but they're a giant company and they got a lot, of, a lot to offer, uh, mostly in the active space. Uh, obviously, spot Bitcoin, that's all over the place. Um, Lucy Brewster, one of our reporters here, she's, she's been covering that like crazy. Um, I, who knows? It's just fun to talk about. Every time it looks like there is going to be one, you see a little bump in the price of, of Bitcoin. Um, one of my personal pet projects is to figure out how and why and when we can start see, seeing ETFs on 401k plan menus. I, I, do, I know there's some rules and reasons that, that can't be done, but I also think it's part of a... Uh, uh, there's been some barricades being put up by the mutual fund industry because they've got that, uh, they've kind of got that, uh, held down pretty tight. Um, and then, uh, there's always the fun story to talk about of, uh, 
the iShares 20-year Treasury bond ETF, ticker TLT. It's all over the place. It's leading, I think it's leading uh, all ETFs and inflows this year or close to it. Uh, but it's the performance is dogged. And, you know, every time I ask somebody about that, they say, well, it's probably in a lot of model portfolios or something like that, or people are buying it to position for some kind of a turnaround. I don't understand it, Nate. I know I've probably asked you questions about TLT. Um, you know, I, I personally don't understand it, but it's fun to watch. Boy, I've got to tell you, so I was taking notes as you went through those. Um, <laughs> a couple of things jump out to me. Maybe you can react here. So you, you mentioned legacy mutual fund companies continuing mm-hmm. to move into the ETF space, and, and you offer two paths there, the mutual fund to ETF conversions, which that's obviously one way they're getting involved. But I think you're right. I think the ETF share class um, story is going to be very interesting to watch. I was actually visiting earlier with uh, Vetify's Laura Krieger, and, and mm-hmm. we chatted about this. She had a very interesting take, which tied into another one of the stories you mentioned in terms of ETFs and 401k plans. She thinks, I don't know if you saw this filing from FM Investments, uh, I think it was maybe a month or two ago, where they're actually looking to do the opposite. They're, they're looking to take their single treasury bond ETFs and offer mm-hmm. them in a mutual fund format. And that's their way of cracking the the 401k nut. So I, uh, I, I, think, I love that. Really. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, I, I think that whole, th- this whole idea, A, of, of any legacy mutual fund company that has not yet moved into the ETF space, they're trying to figure out how to get involved now. And there are these mm-hmm. different paths available to them. But I think it's interesting thinking about how the ETF business cracks the 401k market. Now, I, I will say um, there are all ETF 401k plans out there. But you're right in that uh, it's not the e- all the all the kinks aren't ironed out on those just mm-hmm. yet, uh, but I, I think that's yeah. an interesting story to watch. TLT, I'm I'm fascinated by that one as well. I mean, you look at these massive flows into the space. TLT performance has been absolutely atrocious. You've had everybody <laughs> yeah. trying to call a peak in rates and and just getting bludgeoned. And look, this isn't investment advice. It's a hundred percent possible that rates go higher from here. That's possible. Yeah. And and that, that trade could get worse for those people. So we'll see what happens there. Spot Bitcoin ETFs, I think you know that's always one of my favorite topics. The question I have for you on that, Jeff, is um, how do I explain this? I know that that topic, I know just personally from what I tweet about and, and some of the content that I put out there, people love that topic. And so as, mm-hmm. as somebody covering the ETF space, I think you probably know if you write about um, spot Bitcoin ETFs, you're probably going to get a lot of views and, and eyeballs. D- mm-hmm. d- does that impact things or do you get like worn out on stories like that because it's been talked about so much and, and maybe you're not a crypto fan? I, how, how do you view that spot Bitcoin ETF story? Well, first of all, I'm not the one that makes all the decisions or, or many of the decisions about the kind of things we cover. I kind of bring ideas to the table and do my own reporting. We have a, you know, a team here, but um yeah, we we see the appetite. We know there's appetite. It's it's no secret that we're, you know, we can track the page views and stuff like that. But it's a dynamic base right now. The the spot Bitcoin, I, I mean there's there's real things happening. I don't think we I don't think we're just writing spot Bitcoin stories for page views. It's we'll, I know we have a pretty strict policy on on trying to make sure that there's actually news in our stories. Um, and the same thing goes with TLT. TLT is, a, is, is the popular topic, but there's a lot going on. Um, I, you know, personally 
I guess I own a little bit of Bitcoin, but uh, not enough to uh, send me toward retirement if things go back toward uh, where they were a few years ago. But um, I, I don't know. It, it's just to me when you when you see these the kind of the status of the firms that are filing for a spot Bitcoin ETF, you have to just see that as a bullish sign for crypto. Um, and I'm not talking about once it happens. I'm talking about these are you know we're talking BlackRock, Fidelity. These are firms that know what the heck they're doing in this space. And if they see this as, as the potential, I don't know how you can ignore the potential of crypto. Well, even putting that aside, I think just as we look over the next, uh, say, 6 to 12 months, this this is a story that's going to keep on giving because obviously oh, yeah. we're, we're leading up, it, it, it appears, to approval of these products. It's going to be interesting to see if there's a common clock where the SEC lets all of these launch on the same day. I think there's still Mm -hmm. an outside possibility that many of these do launch on the same day, but perhaps grayscale is left out of that. I could see a scenario like that. That would be an interesting story. Um, Not far behind spot Bitcoin ETFs. I think we're going to have spot uh, Ethereum ETFs. I think that's pretty easy to see. If we have approval of spot Bitcoin ETFs and spot Ether ETFs, well, then guess what? We're probably going to have... Uh, a combined spot Bitcoin and Ether ETF. And then things just keep progressing from there. So I don't, I don't, I know uh, I kind of joke on this podcast a little bit. I've, I've gotten some uh, ribbing because I, I cover this topic so much, but it's, it's not going away. And so I, I mm-hmm. just think it's the story no. that's going to keep on uh, giving, but um, Jeff, well, we, here, yeah, go here, ahead. One, one more thing on, on, on spot Bitcoin is, you know, I've done a, lot of stories over the past few years about financial advisors and the way that they look down their nose at crypto in general. And it, it is, it's such an interesting kind of collision course here with financial advisors being the biggest users of exchange-traded funds and exchange-traded funds moving toward crypto. I, I don't know. I mean, I talked to financial advisors and like, eh, we don't know, maybe when it's a spot product or something like that. But if if financial advisors get on the crypto bandwagon and crypto goes goes ETF, um, again, that's that's just rocket fuel for the space. I think that's a great point, and I know it's been well documented. But you have a lot of uh, younger investors now with investable assets, or you have this large shift of assets going from you know quote unquote boomers to their kids. And what do a lot of those younger investors have an interest in? It's crypto. And so mm-hmm. I think that's interesting from the financial advisor perspective. I've said, though, just uh, from more of an investment perspective, the, the best uh, corollary here is to physical gold ETFs. And you know this from covering the space for 30 plus years. Right. If you talk to 10 advisors, you're going to have probably five advisors who, who love gold and you're going to have five advisors who absolutely hate gold. Right. And, yep. and they look at gold and go, this is just a, sh- you know, a shiny rock that that sits around, doesn't do anything. And then you'll, you'll have others who go, hey, this thing's been around for 5000 plus years. It's been, it's proved itself as a store of value, et cetera. Obviously, crypto hasn't been along for, around for 5000 years, but I think it's a similar dynamic mm-hmm. there and that you have. I'm, I'm just saying this high level half of advisors who go, yeah, I see that there could be potential merit here. And then you have half of advisors who go, this is the most ridiculous vaporware. Yep. Right, I've ever seen. So, yeah, that's that's yeah. I I don't know if it's fifty fifty, but it's definitely. I see a lot that are kind of stiff arming crypto right now. Yeah, for sure. But uh, Jeff, this was so much fun. We're going to have to leave it there. If people want to connect with you or reach out to you, 
what's the best way for them to do so? And don't don't give your phone number or anything like that. But if they want to find you, what, what's the best yeah, way? Yeah, uh, well, you go to etf.com. I'm I'm usually all over that site, but my email address is jeff.benjamin at etf.com. Or uh, look for me at on Twitter at Benji Writer. I'm also on LinkedIn. If you can find me on Facebook, you you, you found me because I'm not there very much. <laughs> well, again, really uh, enjoy the conversation. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. That was Jeff Benjamin, Wealth Management Editor at ETF.com.